Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. Today I've got a guest, Jasmine Katatakan, who is a fertility warrior, which I love. She struggled to have a child for over six years. After multiple IUIs and her second IVF, she was told that she had a less than 1% chance of having a baby and to stop trying. However, Jasmine, being the resilient woman that she is, didn't give up. Using her background as an artist, she applied an artist mindset to overcome her roadblocks and design a life that gave her control of her fertility journey and life moving forward. So we're going to be talking about all of these things in more detail today. But as a result, she became pregnant within months of being told that she had a less than 1% chance. And today, Jasmine now has two kids, both through IVF. Using her designer point of view and tools, Jasmine shows you how to take control of your fertility journey as well. So Jasmine, welcome to the podcast. And can you start off by giving us a more in-depth version of your story? I bet it's probably, it could be a three-hour <laughs> podcast, but obviously a condensed version, but I want yes. to know more about what you experienced. As you say, how, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, well, first, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. And to tell you my story, it, I will try to condense it as much as I can. I, I grew up in uh, New York, born and raised, and I led a pretty, I led a good life, you know. As a child, I was kind of fed the same kind of things that were told that, you know, to have a good life, you get good grades, you go to school, you know, all the checks, you um, get married, you have kids. And I was kind of going along that path without honestly even thinking about it. Um, I went to good school, I had a good career, I got married, and then when it came the time to have kids, I, I still laugh at how naive I was at the time. I had it like all planned out. I even waited a couple of years, like I'm like, when I'm 30, I'm gonna start trying. By the time I'm 35, I'll have three kids, no problem, and then, you know, go on to the next thing. And so I started trying at 30. Um, uh, I still remember that first month went by and I was like, wow, I'm not pregnant. I'm so surprised. <laughs> um, and then that first month turned into three months and then eventually a year. And I started getting stressed out as um, most people do. And I definitely have the mentality where I like to control everything. Like, as I said, I had a certain plan and I was like, what's going on? My plan's not working. So we started seeing uh, doctors about it. And we got all the tests, the, the preliminary tests that you normally get, and they came back all normal. There was nothing that they could find in either me or my husband. 
And they, so at that point they said, well, there's something, there's something up, but we don't know. So I was diagnosed as unexplained infertility, which I know is very frustrating from personal experience. Cause you know, you want to at least know how to solve whatever's going on, but with unexplained, it can be very frustrating. And we ended up doing multiple IUIs at this one clinic at the first one. And, um, it did not take. And after a while, at this point, it's probably like a year or two years into it, the doctor still doesn't know why it's not working. Um, I'm, I'm eating, I'm healthy, I'm exercising, I'm doing like all the things, right? At this point, I was also looking into more of like the Eastern medicine stuff, like the acupuncture and um, like the Chinese medicine even. And because I just want to know, right? Like you try everything. And there was a point where he said, well, maybe you, you guys should try IVF. And at that point, IVF felt really scary to me, but I was like, yes, I am ready. I want, I want to get it done in a way. Like you want to just, after years, it's like, I just want to get pregnant. And at that point, we actually changed clinics because, um, my father is actually a doctor and he suggested that and this is the first i learned about it but you know all all clinics are different from one another like including the labs and everything that has to do so closely with ivf so he suggested going to a larger kind of institution with um kind of more modern labs so we did and i i was all gung-ho i thought it was going to work and we went to this next one and they also found nothing outwardly wrong with our test. And they said, they're very confident. They're like, oh, this is, at this point, I was probably 33 or 34. They're like, this is gonna work, you know, this is gonna be fine. And we, did, we started doing multiple IUIs again, mainly because of insurance reasons. We had to do it, but still wasn't taking. And we finally started our first IVF. And at that point, I said, like, okay, this is, we're doing IVF. It's, it's guaranteed, you know? If you look at the stats, it's not guaranteed. But in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm going into it. This is going to work. And the first IVF cycle, um, it went, like, I was never a big egg reach. I never had that many eggs when I did IVF. So at that point, I probably had, like, eight going in. Um, and they retrieved them. I believe like five of them, um, five of them for, what's the word, fertilized? Mm -hmm. No, yeah. And so the plan was a day five fresh transfer. And they, you know, they called me, they called me up around day three and they said, okay, it's looking great. They scheduled my appointment for day five for the transfer. I was like so excited. And it's my first time going through the whole process. And I still remember that morning, I was, I was literally like out the door to go to get this transfer. And the phone rang and it was a nurse from the clinic and she said, um, don't bother coming in. And I was, I remember being so, I was like, what, what do you mean? I didn't even think that it was a possibility because they had scheduled my, and it turned out that like we checked this morning and they didn't reach um, to blastocyst to the point where I could have a transfer. So, and I just was like devastated because 
I felt like I I was cheated. Like I didn't even get the chance for the transfer. Like I went through the whole thing, um, the retrieval, all the meds, all the appointments, and I didn't even get the chance to transfer. So we met with the doctor the next morning and the doctor said, okay, well, you have a new diagnosis now. I think the diagnosis is a poor egg. <laughs> That's my daughter. We have a guest. We have a, <laughs> we have a guest. <laughs> um, poor egg quality. And so that was my new diagnosis is poor egg quality. And of course, my first question was, okay, so what can I do to improve my egg quality? And the doctor, I still remember, she's like, well, you can't. It's not possible. And I was like, I kept, I still remember, I was like, that's not a good answer. I was like, there has to be a way. And then she like hesitantly said, well, some people find that acupuncture is a good solution for this or it's a possible solution. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go head first into acupuncture because, you know, as we all go through this, we want, we want to do whatever we think could work, even though we don't know if this is what's so hard about this fertility journey. There's no definite path that says this will definitely get you a child. And I feel like we're all just like trying and getting frustrated and getting let down, but then having to you know, bring ourselves up again. So her plan was like, okay, we'll do another cycle, an IVF cycle. And um, so we'll try again, maybe do a little bit different meds, but pretty much the same thing is what they wanted to do. She wasn't, she still thought there was a chance. And I went to the acupuncturist that next morning and we, we went on, um, she put me on a very like kind of a detox for three months. She's like, okay, let's, let's take a break for three months. Let's totally, you know, go on kind of this fertility diet where you no sugars, no carbs, no caffeine, like a very clean diet to kind of like cleanse my body out. Um, and then do weekly acupuncture treatments to, to prepare me for the next one. And that's what we did. So we did that for three months. And in itself, I learned a lot from doing that with my body and realizing like how much things like sugars and everything affect your body, which I like to this day, I, I find it really beneficial. So we got to, um, the three months was up. I was all ready to do the second IVF. I was like, I put in all this hard work, right? So I still remember the, that morning, we were actually in the acupuncture's office doing like the pre-transfer acupuncture, and then we were gonna do the post-acupuncture um, treatment. And I was finishing my treatment, and the acupuncturist walked in, and she had this look on her face. And I was like, oh, because obviously it was in the back of my mind at this point as a fear that the same thing could happen. And um, she had this look on her face and she just said, they called. It was a no go. And the same exact thing happened. Like they said, you know, they didn't make it. So we went into and I still remember walking across the park that that morning with my husband, just devastated. Like I had put in all this work. I thought maybe it would, you know, help. And the same exact thing happened. Um, and I felt really emotionally guilty because it's me, you know, I felt like this is not on my husband's 
like part. This is actually my eggs that are the issue at this point. It's my body and it's so personal. It's like beyond personal. Um, and I didn't want to be that barrier too of that guilt of like, is am I going to be the reason why my husband doesn't become a father? Um, and I still remember walking across the park and I was talking to him and I actually did tell him that and I was being completely honest. I was just like, if you, if this doesn't work, like I want you to go and like find someone and have a family because I can't be that person that that's, that's your barrier to <laughs> still get emotional. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, she, he said no, <laughs> um, but you know, I, it's, it's definitely a thing that, you know, the emotions that go on in this journey is so strong because it's, it runs so deep and it's not only you, it's the other person. And um, we, I will say it's made us stronger um, to this day as a couple. And it's, it's something that I realized that it's not only me, but it's us together. But I, I kind of deviate. So um, the next day we met with the doctor, the same kind of meeting, right? And what I expected this meeting to go at, at is like the next step. What's the, okay, that, so we tried this twice in the same way, pretty much. So what's the next step that we can try? And that meeting shocked me because she, came in and she said, okay, the same thing happened. And we were like, yeah. And then she said, well, your next step is egg donor or adoption. And she was like very straightforward about it. And I was like, wait. And I like paused. I was like, at that point I was 35. So I, it's ironic that, you know, I'm sitting here at 35 in a doctor's office after my second failed IVF with no kids where like in my perfect plan I was like I'm just gonna have three kids by now what's going on and she basically told me that they would not um, proceed with any more procedures with my own eggs because it's not a possibility and I, and I the same way I did the first time I was like are you sure there's no possible way that I could try with my own eggs I feel like I'm still young I'm, I'm healthy and she said, and then she gave me the stats. She's like, I give you a less than 1% chance. And that, that number just, you know, haunts me to this day. And I was like, less than 1%? And she's like, yes, I give you less than a 1%. And she said, I, the only way, honestly, the only way they would continue with me was through an egg donor. Um, and so I left that meeting absolutely devastated that's probably that is the lowest point in this journey that's at that point five years and that is when um it was actually it's the lowest point but it was also like the biggest aha point which often happens I feel like right we're the lowest because I could have easily have taken her professional advice um, which I respect but she, she's also only human um, and just proceeded to the egg donor or whatever she suggested at that point. And this is after five years of trying, like I'm exhausted at this point and emotionally drained. And um, I remember going to work that morning and I, I went straight to work, I don't know why I did, 
but I went straight to work and I remember crying on the way to work and then I was like, I had to pull myself together because obviously like I'm not sharing any of this with anyone. Um, and I remember thinking, so as a profession, I am a lighting artist on feature animated films, which might seem like totally random of, you know, not related at all to my fertility journey. And that's exactly how I felt about it too. Like, I was like, oh, that's my work life. This is my personal life. They don't like mix, right? And then as I was going into work, I was thinking about how I um, address obstacles at work as an artist um, on films. And I was like, you know what? I realized that I address it in a very different way than I've been approaching my own fertility struggles. And it's a very much like a problem solving type type of way in that I always find multiple solutions at work for different things. And when I get hit with an obstacle at work, I, I'm very quick to pivot and to like talk to people, collaborate. And this is when I was like, you know what? I need to do this here. Why am I not doing this here? Because I think I put too much trust in like, okay, this doctor said this, this is exactly what I'm doing or whatnot. So the next step is I actually, I went to um, one of the things I really value, especially at work and in my artist uh, mindset and the designer thinking is collaborating and brainstorming with other people to get different perspectives because especially you are so in it and it's really hard to step back and see different different ways different ways different solutions so the next day I met with that my acupuncturist again and she is like someone that I really valued she already knew my history she's worked with me and she also came from a different perspective which I really like because you know, we have the Western medicine with the doctors, and then you have um, the other specialty with the acupuncture, and she had so much knowledge as well. And I sat with her and we spoke about it, and she was very much like, you know, I don't, I think this is not the end for you. I, I have a few, and she gave me suggestions of ways to go about it, even to like, she's like, there's this one clinic, I think that might be better for you, and this other doctor, and this other protocol. And I listened and I took all the information and I did it. I, I was like, okay, let's see, let's try this other option. And within three months of that meeting, I was pregnant um, with my own eggs. And what, what we did was, it was through IVF again with a different clinic, but we did a couple things differently. It was a day three transfer, which was one of the biggest things. Like my eggs were not making it to day five. So they decided to do a day three transfer. And then also they did something that they don't really do that much anymore. It's called cold culture, which is like before the IVF, the month before the IVF, they'll like take, um, I don't know if I'm gonna explain this correctly, but they take like samples inside. So they create a little environment similar to what it would be like in your, in your own environments to put the retrieved um, eggs in. So it feels more familiar. It's not like they're going into a foreign environment. And we did that and really like within months I was pregnant. And I still think back to that meeting and what if I decided to stop at that point? Cause that would have been honestly probably like the first option that many people would have done, and I considered it too. What if I had just stopped and not 
kind of applied um, my work mentality to my fertility journey. So that is what um, keeps me here, it keeps me wanting to share what I learned in my journey to show, to, to show people that there are, there are always multiple solutions to anything. You know, it might not be your first choice, but there's always a solution. And I, I was guilty of where I put so much pressure on one thing and thinking that was going to be like, if I don't get this, you know, I feel like infertility, it's like, if, if I don't have this baby, that's it. I'm going to be unhappy the rest of my life. Um, but, it, but I realized this through my journey that that's definitely, that's, I don't want to say wrong, but it, it is because one, it's not true. And there's so many ways to find solutions. And when you find multiple ways to find solutions, the stress and the anxiety kind of lift from you. And I know it sounds, but like you'll probably find it your, whatever the outcome that you're meant to have will come easily to you. Um, because like anything everyone says, right? When like, try to de-stress, like stress isn't good. And that's, and of course that's really easy to say to someone, but it's really hard to de-stress. And what I find found that with the way that I did it, it actually made it able, I was able to de-stress after I went through what I did. And, and cause I was able to say, okay, there's multiple solutions. I'm not putting all my, the pressure on this one thing. So that's all your it. eggs in one basket. Pun exactly. intended. <laughs> yeah. I was like the people who get told they have the couple who get told they have infertility and mm -hmm. then they adopt and then the next year or two they're pregnant naturally. Um, yes. That doesn't always happen sometimes. So yes, positive thinking, meditation, mindset, all of that can work, but you can't kind of out, out meditate a bad diet or a physiological imbalance. So we need to look at both simultaneously. Mm. But I have so many questions for you. First one, because that story was amazing. <laughs> I was just sitting, I was making notes. There's just so much I want to dive deeper into. But am I right? You have two kids now? Were they, yes. so they were both through IVF. Were they twins or was that another round a few years later? Yeah, so no, so uh, the first, um, I have two kids, a daughter that's four and a son that's two. And yes, they're both through IVF. And what, uh, in each case, I did have two eggs um, transferred, but I'd only have one, one that took. And what happened was the, I was so grateful for my daughter, right? And at the same time, I, I, um, I never, at that point, I still never came out with all, everything I had gone through. And I realized, I had this point of realization where, you know, in the eyes of the outsider, because also during these fertility times, and I can get to is like, we traveled like crazy because that was like my outlet to, you know, emotional outlet to keep on going. Um, so for those six years, we were like everywhere. We like, if you looked at us and I had friends, I'd still be like, oh my God, your life is amazing. You know, look at all the places you're going. And little did they know that in the background, I was like 
like, you know, what was going on all those years. And then I realized, so then we had a baby and then I started showing, you know, pictures of my baby. And then, and then I think my friend, one of my friends said something like, oh God, you have this perfect life. Like you traveled and now you have this cute baby. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I have totally been like that person that I don't want to be as I was going through those struggles, right? Like you see people on social media and they're like, oh, I wish I was that person. But you don't realize they could have, they could be going through something really major. And this is when I decided to come out because I was just like, I don't want to feed into this perfect life and not share that I was actually struggling for all these years. And it was a really painful thing. Um, so I came out, I came out with my, like, I, I went on Facebook live. I still remember my friends, like, I can't believe you did that. And it was so empowering and it was emotionally helped me because I realized I was keeping so much in like you don't realize this while you're doing while you're in your journey and even even if you have a child um or whatever the outcome is you're still keeping it in like the child is not going to cure all the things that happened to you during those years or that time and by releasing it it was such an emotional release I realized there was a lot, a lot of trauma still associated with it that I just did not address. I was like, oh, I got pregnant. Okay, moving on, you know? And so that happened. So first I actually, I announced, I kind of came out and what happened from that was, it was really empowering to me personally, but then all these people came out um, from, you know, kind of sharing their own stories, saying how helpful it was. And I was like, I can really help people with my story. Cause you know, people just, it's awareness and it's knowing that you're not alone because it's such a lonely journey. And then what happened is, and I had not even chosen to try for a second child because honestly, I thought I was like so lucky that I was even able to have one. I was like, oh, I'm well, not. I'll, I'll not push it. I'll just yeah, exactly. stick with the one. Yeah. And I still remember having the dis discussion with my, with my husband. I was like, should we try? Because at this point, I'm not getting any younger and age is a thing and I think I was probably 37 at the time and and they were like well if we're gonna try now it's the time to try it and at that point I was also I had come out and I was like should I go and like document the process to everyone you know from the, the beginning and then I still remember my husband saying he's like what if it doesn't if it doesn't work you're gonna like be so like you're gonna you know it's all the things that come with like crying on <laughs> if it doesn't work and I was like yeah I mean the chances are it might not it's probably not gonna work but I think it'd be really helpful to people to see the entire idea process from like beginning to end with all the emotional stuff too so we did that I actually like documented like appointments and all like every step to like the meds and everything and um ultimately it did even like the day I remember I like did uh, the day I found out if I was pregnant or not um but it was successful against all odds and I have my second um child who is now two and I'm forever so grateful and was yeah. that documented on like a blog or your Instagram? Is that still available? So if people wanted to go back, 
Yeah, it's on, I did, actually did it all on my personal Facebook, on like Facebook Live really, but I have put it all on my website. So it's all there. Yeah, you could see the whole journey there with the videos and the, and the blogs and everything. And I'll include all the links um, in the show notes as well for people to refer to. And how did you like feel um, with all the medications during the IVF? So did you have a negative response? And also during pregnancy, like was your pregnancies healthy? Yeah, so um, during the IVF, the meds were not, I'm trying to think back. I honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I will say that, so the first IVF, I did not go through like a clean cleanse or anything. And the second, third, and fourth, I did have go through like a cleanse before it. And I will say that the cleanse, like the difference between the two, I think my body reacted a lot better just because, um, I don't know if it was because of that cleanse, but I my body felt better anyway because I was cleansing. So I think I prepped um, my body in a way that the IVF treatments were not um, as harsh on me. And I also stayed when I could only in like, actually, no, you can't stay active. I remember that, that is the hardest part with the IVF treatment. I have to say is that especially towards the end, right before retrieval, you feel, <laughs> you feel really big and then, or like just inside, it's just this I can't even explain it, but it's like almost a bloated feeling, but you also can't exercise because it's dangerous. So that mentally was very hard for me as well. Um, I will say that pregnancy was like, I love being pregnant. It was a breeze compared to um, everything you go through in fertility. I still laugh. I, I said to my husband, I remember for my first pregnancy, I was like, this is so easy. Is this what everyone that doesn't have to go through fertility treatments do? It's just like, I go, I go to one appointment every like couple of weeks or something. And the worst is like a sugar test where you have to like drink a drink. And I still have- You're not being like, injected all over the place exactly. and having hormones pumped into you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so used to like the needles and that. And so for me, pregnancy was amazing. I didn't, Luckily, I didn't get any morning sickness and everything. And it just felt like uh, I was just so grateful to be pregnant too. But honestly, if you go through fertility treatments, um, pregnancy is like a breeze, I think, um, especially like for appointments and everything like that. What we're used to, it's so, it's, it's a lot more manageable. They said that as well with relationships. So I do want to touch on how to stay like connected and healthy during mm -hmm. fertility struggles. But I've had many clients or people say that the relationship and the things that you go through with your partner during IVF and fertility struggles, it makes you stronger so that all the regular stuff that you deal with as parents is like a breeze compared. So <laughs> do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. I think the biggest thing with IVF, and this is what I'd recommend to anyone going through it and all, all this fertility things is make, um, talk, talk with your partner about it. So it's the two of you. And also I think the reason why we were so, so strong through it is because he was with me for almost every step of the way. Like 
it's very easy. I mean, of course, there's like the morning, some of the morning um, appointments that I just went to, like to by myself. But I was so grateful that he came with me to a lot of the appointments, even though, you know, physically he doesn't need to be there. Um, but it felt like then we were in it together because on the flip side, I've had friends where, you know, the spouse or the partner would only come for, you know, the, the, um, the retreat, the, the transfer or something where they need to be there to give their sperm. And there's a lot of resentment that happens with that, right? Because the woman's kind of going through all these, all these appointments by herself. And then the man will like, I don't want to pitch it, but like this, she got uh, upset because he made a big deal about having to come to this <laughs> one appointment, like to take off time from work. And I, and I saw that and I was like, Oh, it makes such a difference when your partner. So I, one communicate how important it is to have them there and have them be an active part in it so you are going through this together because i could see it going the other way too right it's just like it could be really isolating for the woman but if you if you do it that way and you're one just communicate your feelings with one another because he's having feelings or she's having feelings whoever your partner is um as well so if you talk with one another and also go through it together and I agree that it's this it's this communication that happens during the in the feeling that you're together in this no matter what which will make parenting um, so much stronger too because the same the same relationship happens in parent parenting it's all about communicating what's what like so you know we you guys are on the same page but also the patience honestly I think patience with the fertility um, journey is a big thing that will make um, you a, a better parent. Parent, I don't want to say a better parent, but for me, I am like completely impatient. And the fertility journey definitely forced me to like be patient. And I've used that as a parent now, which I think that also helps. Um, yeah. And you also learn that you can create a plan, but whether or not that goes to um what you envisioned is a whole nother thing and i experienced the same thing this is like a first world problem not on the comparison of what you went through but i had my summer vacation plan this year um mm. was going to la with my friend we had the flights booked we had a schedule and then coronavirus and lockdown hit so that is just another example but you have you can plan for things but you can't completely be in control of everything all the time and as a virgo type a personality i also really need to work on that yeah i agree it's yeah i i also can relate i had vacation i'm supposed to go to like portugal this summer not happening nope um <laughs> but yeah i think what it's like great to plan i'm i'm totally not against planning but it's also great to be able to pivot and have multiple plans going on so it's not all in one and at least when those things do happen when we get to go on our vacations or we have the child that we've been hoping and planning for it's so much better um, at yes. the end of it, we appreciate things so much more so that's a silver lining i um, completely agree yeah. do you have any tips as well for maintaining um, a healthy intimate relationship throughout all of this as well so this would particularly be focused on the people trying to conceive um, naturally. 
So maybe they're considering IVF, but they're still trying to conceive and the sex life has become like a regimented thing so that every ovulation, that's the only window and then the rest of the month, they don't go near each other. I can completely relate. And yeah, and it definitely can, it feels, you know, more, less romantic, right? It's all about, it's almost like a, a meeting you know it's mm-hmm. like oh we got this on the schedule Google calendar <laughs> exactly and you know we do, we all do it right we're like oh this is the time <laughs> um what i would suggest is make it make it special i mean i know it's it's gonna be a thing anyway what what i would i did this once and my i, I had friends that did this too or they would like schedule vacations around the time that they knew they would be ovulating and they could even just be like mini vacations too nothing like it doesn't have to be big but also like getting outside your normal zone so if you're on vacation mode one you're probably be more relaxed um you're, you're gonna have more fun and then like that's one that's one way that you could do it a couple of times where it's just like you you create these little retreats for yourself um and then in that regard I would also say associated, put it associated with something that you, it's all about enjoying, right? So associated, so either like, yeah, plan something special, like a vacation. And obviously we can't do a vacation every month. I wish, I mean, you could if you wanted to, Um, but also maybe like associated with something during the, I guess the question would be like, what's your priority? Do you want to be intimate all through the month, like the whole month? Or do you want to make your intimacy during that time less like a, a, a what's the word, like a chore? Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds horrible, but it is, right? It's like you're tired, but you're like, oh, I got to do this. Um, so I like associated with something that you guys really enjoy, like maybe schedule a reservation to your favorite restaurant and make it like oh this is so exciting like you know we're gonna do this like so basically instead of just putting it in as like clean the dishes type of thing like put it bulk it with something that you really enjoy doing and i think that will kind of get more excitement for it mm-hmm. yeah that's a so. good idea and communication as well make sure that you're both on the same page um and I have a question. So do you feel like you would have gotten pregnant naturally if maybe you started with the cleanse, the diet change, the acupuncture, the different way of thinking, the positivity? Um, bearing in mind that you didn't really have any health conditions or they didn't really find any imbalances. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think, I think yes, anything's possible. Um, I actually joke now I'm actually, I'm 40 now. And, um, my OBGYN was asking me about my birth control plan. All right. You know, and I said, I don't need a birth control plan. If like, if I get pregnant now, I'll take it. It's it's like a miracle. (laughs) Um, I would say, I mean, yes, I don't know. I mean, the, the honest answer is I don't know because, yeah, but <laughs> it was a question. There's not a yeah, definitive answer, but, but some people I, are like, no, I just know that IVF was my journey or they wish they would have started things sooner, but um, you can't change kind of. The yeah. Past. I think if I had started 
I don't know, to be honest with you. Well, I think in the, my 20s, because egg, eggs, egg quality was an issue for me. So I think if I had started in my 20s, um, probably yes. I, um, I believe I could have gotten pregnant naturally. When I did start in my 30s, I did like I did a cleanse and everything afterwards, but I was I was pretty um, healthy. Like I didn't I, I ate pretty well even when I did start uh, in my 30 in my early 30s. So I'm not quite sure that it would have made a huge difference, but I, I will entertain that. I think it would have been um, it would have been possible. I think now it's it's a little bit hard. Even even my uh, acupuncturist said at my last retrieval, my last IVF, because remember I said I had eggs, eight like eight eggs at my peak of IVF. My last one, I had like four eggs retrieved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my egg count was also going down quite a bit. So, I think um, I think yes, anything's possible. And I think a lot of it has to do with, not to sound hokey, but I think a lot of it does have to do with mindset too. And there was that point in my fertility journey where I was just like, my mindset was like, I have to do IVF or like, it's not working for me naturally. I need to find these other solutions. And for me, time, time was a big thing. Like as any fertility journey, you're always looking at your how much time you have because your age. So I think if I had started younger and um, time was not an issue for me, it would I would have definitely have tried that before. Yeah. And how do you know, like for you, I know you can't answer for everyone, like when to accept and not accept a medical diagnosis? Like oh. you can't get pregnant, you, yeah. you're too old, it's not going to happen. How do you balance like following your intuition, following a medical practitioner, but then not getting caught up in trying to push something that's actually not physiologically going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually a great way that I apply my um, designer mindset, the artist's mindset to it, because what, what I do is, because I trust other people's opinions, right, and the other perspectives. But what, what I would do is, and what I do now for a lot of important decisions, is I gather multiple, multiple opinions, multiple points of view. So instead of, for example, if, if I go back in time and I, I'm in that meeting and that one doctor says, you have less than 1% chance, I was like, okay, I, I respect that opinion. Let me go take that opinion, put it into my pile of opinions in a way, and now I'm going to go to my acupuncturist and I'm going to get her opinion on it. Put that in the pile. I went to that other doctor from the other clinic and he gave me a different, um, his perspective. And, and what I would do is, um, and then also put in my own t- intuition, right? How I'm feeling. Because honestly, um, when the doctor told me I had less than 1% chance, I, I, I knew I, it didn't feel right to me. Like, I've had experiences before where someone tells me something I don't want to hear, but I'm, I kind of accept it because I'm like, okay, okay. But that one felt a little off to me. So you trust your own, you put your own intuition in there too, but you look at all these perspectives. You step back and you look at all, like get as many, as many opinions as possible. Any, as many multiple perspectives too. Like not only Western medicine, get Eastern medicine, get 
you know. Um, and then you look back, you look at it. And honestly, if you see in all these different perspectives, a very common thing where it's like, they're all saying, maybe it's not possible. Um, then that's, that's the point where I, I would encourage someone to say, okay, so this, this is the obstacle. Let's now take all of this and find another option for me. Um, is how I would do it. Yeah. Because and I'm sure you've mentioned this at multiple points, but I just want to know and for you to outline your fourth step approach to taking control of your fertility journey. Yeah. So my four step approach, which I did personally, and it helped me so much. And um, I know it's going to help so many out there is the first step is one, getting to know yourself, because I feel like when we go into this, we get so lost and we get so lonely and our mind is all signed so focused on this baby, but we don't stop to get to know what we really want, what our values are. And um, in all honesty, even if you have the baby, it might not solve a lot of the, it, it might not make you happy to be honest with you because you're not sure of yourself. So the first step is to step back and get to know yourself, get to know your values, get to know what you want. And it's, it's, it's very unique to you, right? What you want to be happy and fulfilled to make sure you're going in the right direction. Um, the second step is to kind of reframe what you're trying to do. So the example of this is, you know, a lot of people are focused on like, if you ask what the problem is or what they're trying to achieve, they say, I'm trying to get pregnant. And that's like their sole purpose. Like, how do I get pregnant? How do I get pregnant? But if you step back and you reframe that, well, what will getting pregnant do for you? Be like, oh, it will allow me to have a child. Well, what will allowing you to have a child do for you? And then that's when you step back and you realize it's like, oh, it allows me to nurture, allows me to, you know, leave a legacy or something like that. And then you realize that one, um, the real reasons why you might want to have a child, but two, it also makes you realize that there are multiple ways to achieve that same feeling. So while yes you actively continue trying to have a child you can also actively um fulfill that need in other ways too which is really empowering um and then like the third step would be the brainstorming kind of what i'm saying collaborating getting different perspectives from people um to find solutions to whatever obstacle that you're going through and then the last step is taking action because nothing happens without taking action so after you know the first three steps, you have kind of not only one solution, but multiple solutions. And this is where I really say, because people are, I think people are afraid, and I was afraid too of saying, of even entertaining the idea of not having a child, right? Because it's like, I can't even think about it, because if I think about it, I'm gonna jinx it or, you know, and what this process allows you to do is to actively keep trying to have that child, but also, give yourself alternative ways of fulfilling yourself as well so you no longer have all this pressure on this one thing and it just it's kind of like that i always it's it's kind of like what you said the couple that adopts and then um, gets pregnant naturally because honestly like probably a lot of the stress and pressure against from you know getting pregnant is gone and what this process does is kind of 
relieves a lot of that stress and pressure on that one thing. So I do believe it helps people kind of become, get what they want um, in a more natural way. Do you so have any other like stress management mindset tips? I guess the acupuncture helps and the reframing that you did, but did you do any like meditation, breathing exercises, yoga, anything like that? Yeah, well, I'm still trying to get into meditation, actually. My mind is like a little too crazy, but I did try. I tried all of that. Um, I feel like I've tried. I tried everything. And during that journey, I feel like if someone told me to hop on one foot and that would help me, I would have done that, too. Um, I, I did acupuncture and I felt like that helped me a lot. Just kind of slow down and... I know like there are lots of benefits with acupuncture, but personally, just emotionally, it allowed me to slow down and, and almost meditate. I mean, it, it did force me to meditate, right? So it was the one time a week where I was like, I can't move. So that was really helpful. Um, and then for stress management, I actually use this time and I encourage everyone to do this as an opportunity to invest in myself where I was like, okay, what do I love doing? What will make me happy? And, you know, that's how we came to traveling a lot. And even, you know, it's expensive. I still remember after one of the failed procedures, there's so many, the next thing I just turned to my husband, I was like, where are we going? Because <laughs> I needed like some, some outlet to make me happy. And this also like translated into, I took, I took like woodworking classes. I made a, I made a stool. I learned how to blow glass. Um, I, I took like some cooking classes. I just, I, I gave myself permission in ways where I probably wouldn't have done before to be like, no, I'm going to kind of stimulate my mind in other ways. So I'm, and it felt good because I felt like I was investing in myself because you can never go wrong in investing in, you know, your education or your travel or anything like that. So that really helped me um, with stress release. That was another big thing. And yoga, I did do yoga. And it's the same thing with, um, and I still do yoga to this day. And I agree, it's exercise is a huge thing when you're not actively in the, you know, the IVF. It's any kind of activity you can do will be so helpful um, for your mind and your body. It has to be something that you love and enjoy. Otherwise, that's going to be like another stress, another thing on your to-do list. Um, exactly. So if it's a dance class, if it's swimming, just find something that you're going to do and you actually enjoy doing and don't mm. dread yes. doing every week. <laughs> yes. Is there anything else, Jasmine, that you wanted to touch on? Um, any further tips that you have? I think I feel like we've covered a lot of different grown I feel like I know you very intimately after this conversation (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's going to be so helpful for a lot of women listening but is there anything that you want to add to the conversation um or any parting words parting words would be um to be your best advocate own advocate right because no one knows yourself better than you and honestly no one's going to care about you more than yourself so while you know I think in the very beginning of my journey I put too much um 
like someone would tell me like someone in a in a professional position like a doctor or something would tell me something and i'd just say okay and i would do it and um not question it which you know in many cases that's fine but i think if if you're not if you're not aware if you're not doing your own research if you're not you know kind of pulling the different opinions like i said then you might find yourself a little bit lost so just be your best own advocate and follow your intuition when it comes to these things because you never know and i guess that's my parting words um yeah and i'm sure there's people listening as well who probably aren't people just listen to every episode whether they like relate to it or not maybe it will come in useful in the future to have this information so if if you're that type of person listening like i think it's great that you're educating yourself and not waiting until you're hit with that diagnosis and like oh my god i knew nothing about this what do i do you know that it is a problem and i tried to do the same as well instead of just pretending that i have this perfect health and perfect life even as a nutritional therapist people think that i uh, don't struggle with anything and i try and um kind of not do that on social media i talk about my struggles and when my skin flares up i take pictures and show it online and some people are like what the hell are you doing like this is gonna drive people away like why would someone want to work with you when you're struggling with health issues and i actually find the opposite people are more attracted and drawn to that when they know that you're um you're being truthful you're being honest and it actually makes them feel more um calm and more open to sharing their struggles as well so i think you're doing the same thing and yeah i really i know it's scary and it's can be a difficult thing to do but it's obviously paid off and you're going to be helping a ton of people who's reading the old material that you made all those years ago so i want to thank you for your time today i do want to finish up with just a few questions Mm -hmm. so the first one is let's see is there something that you're into lately so are you doing any like weird and wonderful hobbies like you were previously or is there anything um else Mm. that you're related to interesting well now that it's quarantine we've been quarantined for a couple of months now i think uh no woodworking classes i wish i could i I have been looking into painting classes but i haven't done that yet i've i've been i've been doodling so Mm -hmm. you can see this on my instagram actually and this came this has come up recently where at first, I just did it for fun because I needed to clear my mind, but I've been doodling on photos. I also like taking photographs. So I've been doodling on my photos, and it's it's been really fun. And my daughter is even joined in. And the reason why there's, if you look at my Instagram, there's always all so many hearts on my doodles is because she always comes in. She's like, we need more hearts. Where are the hearts? <laughs> so the hearts are for her. And she actually will like collaborate with me. And she's like, can I fill in the hearts? So I'll like give her my thing and then she'll fill it in. So that has been um, a more recent hobby and activity that I've been loving. And this isn't on my list, but I'm intrigued from when you said at the beginning, you're, you work in films. I don't know if you're still in that job. Are there any films that we know of that you've worked on? Yeah, so I work for uh, Blue Sky Animation as a senior lighting designer or artist. And I've worked on the Ice Age movies, all those Ice Age movies, Ferdinand, um, the Peanuts movie, Spies in Disguise that just came out. Um, 
yeah, the Rio movies. So if you cool. have kids, you probably yeah. know. <laughs> Even I know some of those. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um, is the one book or resource on the subject of infertility or IVF that it could be related to like personal development mindset as well? Either a website, a podcast, book that you want to suggest? That's interesting. I've never, I, I feel like I should have something like that. I mean, I will say that there, there are pod, the, what helps is to hear, hear other people's stories so that you're not going through it um, by yourself and you know that you're not alone. So what I would suggest, I don't have a specific one, but there are, um, I think Infertile Stories is one, is a podcast that just, it's just women telling their stories. And, but there's also what's really helpful are these forums that you can find on Facebook groups where there's, there's a lot of them um, and pick the one that is right for you. Like there's, some of them are very specific. They're like, you know, over 35 for mm -hmm. this certain diagnosis. Da, da, da. So, but it's a great way to find community in this lonely time. And um, in addition, I, I also have a free training that I give out to um, people that are interested that go over like the four misconceptions during your fertility journey. And then also gives you more in-depth information about um, the design thinking process of how to approach your fertility and not only your fertility really it's you I mean I apply it to everyday life as well um, but those are like the main things find community and it's a huge thing to know that you're not alone in this because you're not alone agreed and then very last question is again where can people find more from you online so um, Instagram website tell us a bit more and I'll include the links in the show notes so like I said yeah yeah that's yeah exactly um, Instagram and the, the training is probably the biggest thing I would say. It's free, take a look at it, and I hope it helps you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for your time. Yeah, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review, and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.